Uh, we are in Matthew, as we have been this whole season. We'll be in Matthew 22. Because this is the season of Lent, um, we are looking at parables and teachings of Jesus with this theme of, of repentance before God. So this is another story that Jesus told. Matthew 22, 1-14. through 14. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word we thank you that you speak to us, that you speak a word of, of correction, that you speak a word of mercy. And Father, I pray this morning that our hearts would be open to hear that word. Help our hearts to be soft, to see you as you really are. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Amen. This is... Uh, this is an especially appropriate parable for, for me today. I, I did a wedding yesterday. Um, the rehearsal dinner was here on Friday night, which was cool. We've never been able to do that before. Um, and it was a, a treat. It's, a, it's always wonderful to be able to be a part of any wedding. At this point, I, I don't. Some people asked me yesterday how many have I done. I don't know how many. It feels like a lot. And... Um, and I mean that in the best possible way, uh, that it feels like a lot. There's a little pressure because I only have so many wedding sermons, and I don't know, I'm starting to like cross them over a little bit, and I'm just, I don't, you know, there's people there for all of them that have been to all of them, and I don't want them at some point to say like, wait a second, this feels like a repeat, although it probably will be a repeat at some point. Um, these, these were two folks that were part of our church for several years while they were in college. They've moved to Colorado, and uh, most of their friends and family are back here, so they drove all the way back here to get married at uh, Gaither Graham Chapel. Um, Brian and Alona, two really special, sweet people who've loved us, loved our kids really well. It is a 
wonderful thing to be at a wedding that's full of people who love the people that are getting married. It's not like the people are there as an obligation, like, okay, well, my second cousin is getting married. I have to be there. Those kind of weddings are kind of a drag. But these kinds of weddings where it's just full of friends and family, there's just something, uh, it feels like the party could just keep going on and on because you just don't want to leave each other. It's, it's a special thing to be all together and to just kind of glory in the glow of that kind of, of friendship. And that kind of wedding is the kind of wedding that you should have in your mind when you read this parable. This is a good party that's being discussed. There is a good party that everybody is being invited to. There is a king who is eager to have people there celebrating the marriage of his son. Jesus tells this parable in, as, as part of a sequence of parables and teachings where he is really speaking to the Pharisees who are listening. And he is quite pointed in these stories where, for example, at the end of the chapter, just before this, after he's finished telling the story, the Pharisees know very clearly who the bad guys are in the story. They know it's them. And so that chapter, chapter 21, ends with them saying, we want to kill this guy. That's kind of the vibe, the atmosphere around the parables that are being told. And so just after being told by the narrator in in Matthew 21 that the Pharisees want to kill him, Jesus then tells this story of a king who has a son and there's a wedding and he wants people to come. And it's notable what happens is that the people in the parable say, nah, no thanks. And the king comes to them again. He generously comes and and you get this second wave of description like, look, this is going to be good. Like, it's not a bad party. It's a really good party. And you have to think of a Middle Eastern wedding is not just like a three, four, five hour affair like we had yesterday. It's like a multi-day extravaganza. That's everybody's wedding is always like this. And this is the king who is throwing this multi-day extravaganza. And he's telling them, no, really, promise you want to come to this wedding please come and the text makes clear the people say nothing to do with them either they are too busy they have other things to do or terror of terrors they take the servants and they kill them now Jesus is pretty clearly referring to what has happened in the history of Israel here that God has again and again sent messengers to his people to come see and and witness what God wants to do in the world. And they have, at best, treated him indifferently. And at worst, what have they done? They've killed the messengers. They've killed the prophets who God has sent. And the king then, there is a quite sudden shift here. If you're reading along and saying, oh, this is nice. There's a party. This king seems cool. He really wants people to be there. And then all of a sudden, the king rides in with his army and burns the city down. And it's quite a shift. It's one of those moments where uh, people tend to want to fence Jesus into being one thing or another. And Jesus will just pivot on a dime and be something you don't expect. And he tells the story this way. The king rides in with an army and burns the city down and kills the murderers for what they've done. And sadly, 
shortly after the telling of this parable, relatively in history. God will remove a hand of of any kind of protection from Israel. And Rome will ride into Israel. And they will do just this. They They will level the temple. And Israel will cease to exist as a nation. They're just gone. In AD 70, when Titus rolls in with the Roman Empire... They just go away. And then Jesus goes to the next phase of the story. Because the king really wants people at his party. And what he tells his servants is, is fine, forget the people that don't want to be there. Just throw the doors open and grab everybody, everybody that you can see. Go to the highways and buy, go to the places where people of good repute do not hang out. Go find those people, good and bad, and bring them here and pack them into my party. Because the king wants people at his party. And good and bad people come into the party. The feast fills up. And the king sees somebody who is not prepared for the wedding feast. Their clothes in ordinary clothes have not dressed up for the party at all. And the king says to them, friend, where are your wedding garments? And, and the person doesn't respond because they know, they, they know what they have done. They're not confused. There's no, well, I thought it was, they know that they have been caught And the king then says, you're out. Bind him, hand and foot, throw him out. And then he ends the story, finishes the story with this little commentary. Many are called and few are chosen. And this this story, it's important when you read parables to understand them on their terms and to not try to make the parable stretch to fit all the things that you wanted to stretch and address. Jesus is doing something with this parable specifically to talk about how people respond to God. That's the focus of the parable. And on one hand, you have one attitude of indifference and rejection that Jesus makes clear is unacceptable to the king of the party. And what Jesus is warning his listeners, these Pharisees, and now us, is do not be the person that rejects the repeated extending of God's generosity. Do not turn aside, whether by indifference or outright hostility, do not reject the invitation. And that is a word of warning that would be well heeded. And in all likelihood, people who show up in a church, they're probably more likely to be in the category of servants who just indifferently hear the invitation of the king. Frankly, I have better things to do. I have more pressing matters at hand. I have things that interest me more than the delight of the king's banquet. And when you're reading the parable, you can't help but say, these people are dummies. These people are fools. There is a party at hand at no cost. It's great. It's a great party. And these people are finding other things more interesting. What kind of fools are these people? 
But a lot of times when you come to the Scriptures and you're asking, what kind of fools are these people? That should be a flag to you to say, what kind of fool am I? Because usually when you come to the text and you are judging the person in the text for being a fool, if you thought about it for maybe a few minutes, you would realize, oh yeah, that's me too. Yeah, that's definitely me. I was talking about this with some people just yesterday. I am busy in my life. I am trying to make it from waking up to going to sleep without myself dying or my four children or my wife. And a lot of times, that's like my bar of success. That's, that, is the, that is the bar that I am trying to clear every day. And if I can just make it to the end of the day, I feel some level of success. I am in my nature distracted. And the world is constructed to be doubly, triply, quadruply distracting on top of that. Distraction is built into the world. And it is something within us that just often makes us veer off and find something else more attractive, more appealing, more captivating than an invitation from a king. And Jesus would warn us as he warns the Pharisees, heed the message in front of you. That's why Paul will write to the Corinthians and tell them that today is the day. If today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. All you have is today with no promise of any day to follow. If today you hear the invitation of God, nothing that would seek to distract you is better than this party. Now, the other warning here is that you cannot come into the party on your terms. That the king expects you to be properly attired for the party, and you don't get to come on your terms. And this, I know for me, is an apt warning because I often feel like, you know, there is a degree to which I'm willing to respond and to obey God, but I want to fundamentally remain in control of the situation as much as possible, as much as it's comfortable to me, as much as it's delightful to me. Now again, the king in the parable is not being unreasonable or overbearing. The person can be at the party. They get to be at the party. All you got to do is throw on a different cloak, my man. And he doesn't. And you and I are similarly called to heed a warning of preparation that the party that is being prepared for you is not offered to you on your terms, but requires for you to wear an acceptable garment. Now, this, this parable is arranged to warn you. That is why Jesus tells this parable. I think it's pretty clear both in the context of this section of Matthew and in the parable itself. This parable is a warning. But you have to hear the warning in the context of the person who is giving it. And the parable itself is giving you the nature of that person. We 
If you are like me, we are tempted to, to read a word of warning like this and to believe that fundamentally God seems to want to scare you towards him. That's what it sounds like if you hear the, the notes of the parable a certain way. There's an army and there's darkness and binding and it seems like God wants to scare you and drive you towards him out of fear. But that is missing this, these aspects, these glimmers, these important notes of both the parable and the parable giver. Because the, the person in the parable, the king in the parable, is insistent about sharing generously from his own joy. What, what the people are being invited towards is not prison. He's not inviting them even to, heaven forbid, like a lecture series or something like that. He's not trying to drive them towards this mundane, dry existence. What he's saying is, there is a party, and I really want you to come. And he's not insecure about it either. He is a king who is not threatened. Nobody in the parable can threaten him. Nobody in any sense is in danger of overthrowing him, even though they are rebelling against him in some sense. He's not threatened by them. He just wants them to come to the party. It's a good party, and you should want to come. And if you are like me, it is easy at times to forget, to fail to see that God is a joyful God. That this is the scene that is said of one of feasting, of drinking, of party, of delight. There is a reason why in John's Gospel, the first sign of Jesus' identity as the Messiah is that He turns water to wine at a party. God is the God who is the God of the party. God is the God of the feast. God is the one who keeps the party going and invites you to be there with Him. He, he's not dour. He's not scary. He's lovely. And He wants you to come feast on His love. And, and for many of us, by nature, we are tempted to say any sort of invitation like this is like an imposition on my autonomy or something like that. That is outrageous foolishness. You are being offered a free love feast and the king wants you there at no cost to you because that is his nature. And so much so that he is insistent with those who resist him. With those who resist him and turn aside, those who would ultimately kill his servants, he repeatedly goes back to them. And that is not like me. If I was the king and I said, hey, guys, you're all invited, and the response was, meh, I'd be like, forget you guys. You know what? The army's coming the first time. How dare you? But the nature of this king in this parable and the nature of the parable giver is, no, 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 send him again. Tell him again how good it's going to be. Now, I, maybe there's a misunderstanding. Make sure they're clear. This is a good party. Because this is the way that God is. He's insistent with people that he wants to be generous to. And then look what happens when, when people still reject him. What does he say? 
The door is open to everyone. Just everyone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how good they are or bad they are. Go and invite them. I want them, all the thems, wherever the thems are, however many there are, just throw open the doors, bring them in as many as possible. This is the nature of God. That He is expansively generous. That he is, he is effusive in His love. That He is so over the top in His joy and His kindness. He wants you at His feast of love. And the only thing that stops you is your own hand to His face. Your own no. The thing that happens in the parable, the things that happens in Israel's history, and the thing that happens in yours, is that you can say no to him. And ultimately, terrifyingly, there is a time when God will say, fine, have what you want. The moment of outer darkness, the moment where you are consumed with the terrible rejection that you have initiated, you get to own your no forever. Because the king is invitational and generous and kind, and he sets the banquet before you but you can decline the invitation. Jesus says many are called and few are chosen. The many there can fairly be read as everyone is called. You, you are called. And the word that he uses there for, for chosen is the same word as the word for church. Many are called. But the, not everybody ends up in this, this church, this collection, this ecclesia of people who've actually responded. Whether you are a, a church person or not, this parable speaks to you, addresses you with warning. You could be one of the ones who are just like not interested. And maybe you found yourself here today through a friend or for a reason you can't even explain. But this, this parable is, is directly addressed to you. That God wants you at his party and wants you to say yes. And it is a good, good, good life that he has for you. It's not one of constraint or slavery. It is a party forever. And, and you may be here and you're a church person. And there is a word of warning here to you as well. That you may have been doing your thing and coming to him on your terms this whole time. Never really thinking that the king is actually the king of the party also. And you should have some right to decide how you attend the party. And Jesus is saying that is not the case. 
It's not the case. And whether, whether you are one of the ones who has rejected him again and again or, or treated him indifferently and demanded to come on your own terms, the king is still a king of mercy. And if today you hear his voice and you do not harden your heart, the king has for you a place at his table. And he has a robe for you to wear. You may, may have been caught up in all kinds of rejection of God. Things that have made you feel and appear filthy. And the king of this banquet, his mercy extends to the wardrobe that he will place on you. He will extend the righteousness of his own robe for you. You have not reached the point where your no needs to be final. You know how I know that? Because you're alive. You are in this room. And every moment of your life, God is extending this invitation to you. And today is the day for you to perhaps say yes. And if you are one of the people, one of the chosen, one of the ecclesia, one of the people who are in the party or on their way. Do not let the circumstances of the world deceive you about the nature of your king. See him again in this parable and be refreshed and delighted. The God is the God who throws the party, that invites you there, brings you there, and keeps the party going forever. That you may be caught up in the grind of daily life. But life with God is more closely understood as joy. You are meant to enjoy and delight in God. And that doesn't mean life becomes easy. But what it does mean is that in the midst of the unease, He is far better than anything you could hope for or imagine. Do not let your circumstances rob you of enjoying God or letting him pour joy out on you as he extends the bounty of his table to your life now and forever, feasting on his love. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Lord of the party. And we confess to you that, that words of warning are not on their face good news. They, they don't sound like the things that we want to hear. But when they come from your mouth and illustrated with your own character, they are sweet invitation, even these words of warning. And God, I pray that you will help us to hear your voice. You'll help us to hear your voice, the joy, the eager delight, the longing to have people at the table, the free provision of a party. 
God, I pray for those who are here who have, who have rejected you, who this morning are indifferent to you and unsure of what to do with you. Father, I pray that they would be driven to you by mercy, by the appeal of a very good life with you. And Father, I pray for those who have joined the party on their own terms, they would see that ultimately they are meant to wear the robes that you provide, to live a life with you that is provided entirely by you, that we don't get to come on our own terms, and that's a good thing. And Father, I pray for those who have responded to the invitation. God, I pray that our hearts would be joyful before you, responsive to you, that we would see that you are a good God, that it is a delight to follow you, that it is not just obligation, it is not just lecture, it is not fear that keeps us, but it is love and delight forever. Even when our hearts have grown cold, Lord Jesus, refresh us by the heat of your love. Father, I pray that you'd make much of yourself and continue to draw us towards you. We thank you for your kindness and persistence in doing that. We love you, Jesus. Amen.